Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett, internationally recognized branding consultant and best-selling author of the books, Move the Ball and Dominate the Game. By having a relentless mentality, I've pushed boundaries and gotten into rooms with pro athletes and power players, built a successful business, and moved the ball in male-dominated industries. Now, I'm using my same of the ball methodology to help thousands of people dominate their game when it comes to their brands and creating opportunities. This podcast is all about uncovering strategies of the world's best athletes and business leaders to help you get to that next level. Join me in conversations that will elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Thanks for joining today. Really quickly, if you haven't already done so, be sure that you follow the podcast so that you're always in the know and you never miss an episode. Also, share the show with a few friends too. One other thing, I mentioned this on the first episode of the season, but this year I'm planning on doing a number of career workshops and seminars on how to differentiate and set yourself apart to get that next great job. So if you're thinking about a career move, go to www.thenextfirstdown.com and join the mailing list so that you will be in the know for when those workshops are going to take place. Now, today... Corey Proctor joins me for round two of our conversation on how to move the ball. Corey is a retired NFL player who currently is in the wealth management space, and he is the founder of Pro Capital Wealth Management. On the show, we talk about his journey and why he got into this profession when he was done playing football. We also discuss managing risks when it comes to your finances, and we talk about the importance of networking, of cultivating solid relationships, and more. This season, we're on a mission to get stuff done. And today, Corey provides some additional tips you can incorporate into your playbook. You ready? Let's go. Hey, Corey, thanks so much for being here inside the huddle with us. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Jen? I'm good. I'm really looking forward to our conversation. It's been a few years since we actually got to see each other in person. And so we've been talking a few times before doing this recording. And so I'm really glad to have you back on the show. Some may not know that you were actually a guest back in season one of the show as well. And now we're in season four. So time is really flying by. Big time. Repeat customer. Let's go. (laughs) There you go. For me this year on the show, it's really about helping the audience to get things done. It's not just about let's move the ball. And that's great. It's all about keeping it moving, got to progress forward on a daily, weekly basis. But it's really about like elevation, next level. Let's push boundaries. Let's go. Let's really dominate the game, whatever that game is. Everyone is playing. And so you have done such great things. You had a professional football career. You parlayed that into a successful business, which we'll talk about. So I'm really excited to have you back on the show. And I know you're going to drop just such great nuggets for the audience today. Are you ready? I'm ready. (laughs) All right. First, I want to just share a little bit about your football background. So you played college football. You ended up going to the Lions as your first NFL team. Walk us through kind of your journey, that transition from college to pro. I was on the practice squad in Detroit, and so I was a guy that needed practice squad time to adjust to the speed of the game or to the operation of the league. And they just run it a little different than college programs do. But it was hard at first. Coaches liked me because I was a good worker and knew what I was doing. I rarely made mental errors. So it, for me, it was adjusting to the physical aspects. There's no like just beating guys up in the league. Typically, there's that happens sometimes, but a large part, especially when it comes to linemen, Leverage and position blocking is a lot more 
apt in the league than just mauling somebody over on a double team or something. So I I had to adjust to that tempo and to that type of work or to that strategy, I guess, whatever label you want to put on that. But it was critical for me that practice squad time where other guys could adjust a little faster, but I needed it because it was a different deal, man. When you're coming into a business as opposed to a little more of a passion where you're used to taking coaching in college, it's just different. And it's even now changing with NIL. We're now a little more of a business for the players again, but you come into it at a young age and now you got to operate like a man. You got to be an adult now, do adult things where the game can a lot of times keep us young. It was an adjustment. It wasn't easy, but one that I needed. And you mentioned NIL, which has changed the landscape now in college is becoming more of a business type of environment for players. When you were at the University of Montana and transitioning into the business of being a professional athlete, how prepared were you from a business mindset standpoint that, okay, now this is my job. This is not just passion of playing football, but I am a professional athlete and this is now the job that I'm in. Do you feel like the program really helped you prepare in that way? Or was that an adjustment for you as well? The program from the league? From Montana, from school. Montana didn't prepare me for any business by any stretch. I'll tell you, it's probably a good reason. We'll go over my story here in a little bit. But there's two sides to business. One is obviously executing the business and going and making profit for your company or, or revenue for the company, right? But the backside of that that's probably like equally important is managing the loss and to make sure that there's no catastrophe happening in your business or major siphoning that's going on in your revenue. And that was one thing for me that was probably came from my own life was that when I came into the league, I kind of had a tendency to manage the loss where I didn't have things going out the door like crazy and didn't have money finding its way out that kept me in a prime place or in a good place to launch from. But I was not adequately prepared coming out of college to handle that at all. <laughs> so I think it was just a circumstance of life that helped me prepare for it. And like a lot of things, businesses evolve, organizations evolved. I think over time, not only are players understanding the importance of the NFL being a business, financial literacy being an important thing, as well as some other managing your brand, that kind of a thing. The organization is also providing more resources today than when you were playing and to players before you on how to better manage yourself as a pro athlete from a business standpoint as well. Would you agree with that? Or do you think that there's a lot more work that needs to be done there or the league is doing a great job of that today? Oh, there's got to be way more work that needs to be done there. The league does a great job of putting programs in place to look like they're doing things. And I'm a big beneficiary of the league, so I don't want to come down on too bad. This is really across the board in all industries. There's a lot of programs that just fall flat. And they don't really produce any results. And that can be equally on the employer side as the employee side. But the league, I think, especially for us, there's a lack of ability to communicate effectively with our players. There's a lot of good things available. And I'll share, like, our player development guy here with the Cowboys, he brings me in every year to talk to the rookies about finances. And since there was a mandatory second and third year player class that had to be brought in also, he's brought me in for that as well. And a lot of that's to share my story and some of my own knowledge and experience. But the big reason he does that is because he goes, you know, I've had Jerry Jones's CFO that comes in here, which is big dog. That's somebody that I would listen to every second of the day. But if he can't communicate to players well, then it's going to fall flat a lot of the time. So he'll bring former players in that can speak the language a little bit 
and might have something of substance that they can share. And so that's where I think the league may fall flat a little bit is they're bringing good content or they may be bringing some good things, but their execution of getting across the table to guys hasn't been done well. And so I think it's an everlasting job of trying to execute that right. But I think we can handle a lot better by just getting guys that have done well in their respective businesses post-football and bringing that in to the guys. It's a lot of work to herd those cats but it can be done. And to your point, you made me think of something too, like no matter what business you're in, communication and relatability is very important. Like how the principles around financial management as an example is, those are constant in terms of like the basic fundamental principles, but the way you communicate them to people is going to be different depending on who your audience is. And so to be an effective provider of value to other people, whatever business you're in, it's really about the delivery of the message. And are you relating to the audience and to the potential customer base outside of this context? So I think that's important is having the right resources available to deliver the content. So in the context of NFL players, if they can connect with former players who have been successful and seen the journey, and then it's a more effective program. Right, exactly. So you've also moved to a couple other teams during your NFL career. So the NFL is different than a normal business in that you're competing for your job every single day. We can have an off day or an off week in the corporate world and it's okay. There's not someone that's just sitting there on the sideline or just waiting for a phone call to take our spot. So it's a very different dynamic than other industries. And also when you do move to a different team, it's a very quick process. Like you got to get on a plane and you go. It's not like, oh, well, let me get 30 days to move my family and get in my U-Haul or whatever it is. You got to be there next day, hopping on a plane. Walk us through what is that dynamic like for those that might not be familiar with that side of the business of the NFL? I was on practice one in Detroit. And when they and the Dallas Cowboys picked me up, our coach, Steve Mariucci, had gotten fired from Detroit when we were there. And this was after, let's see, a Thanksgiving loss to Atlanta. It was really bad. And that next Tuesday night, we were at Chris Chelios, uh, used to be a captain of the Red Wings, his restaurant, me and a couple other guys. At nine o'clock at night, my agent called me up, said the Cowboys want to pick you up. And they went back and forth in negotiations. So I want to say it was like over the next 30, 40 minutes while I was sitting there waiting, but got executed, ended up accepting an offer from the Cowboys. I was on a 6 a.m. flight to get out. So I had to pack up. Now, as a single guy, I didn't have a whole lot, but I had to pack up my apartment that I had at the time and in the middle of the night, essentially, to get on that airplane and go practice immediately, go through a physical and get to practice with the Cowboys out the gate. And so there is no time to take a breath at all. It is get it done and get going, which is honestly has been a fantastic conditioning tool for me because when I want to get something done, it's done. And where there's a lot of people that struggle in this world because they might say they want to do something and they take their sweet time to get it done and they don't do anything and there's no real speed attached to it. When people love speed, I love speed. And so that's been a great conditioning tool for me just to force movement. And because of that, it's carried over to post football. I like that because, yeah, you're right. I mean, when you're forced to act quickly, like there's no time to dilly-dally or the team's moving on. They're like, you're taking too long, Corey. We're not having you. So you have to be fast and get your stuff done and move. And so when you're in that environment that just translates for most people, for successful people, that translates with them into whatever other ventures they do beyond football. Like you're just conditioned to operate. 
that way. So when you look at your time playing football, whether it's college or pro and things that you've taken away, other skills, like I used to ask this question a lot last season and a common answer I get was, well, my work ethic. Okay, got it. You have to work hard. I mean, that's kind of a given. So to me, like, I don't think that really adds a lot of value. Like everybody knows that if you want to get results done, you have to work hard, you have to work smart. What other things have you taken away from the sport that have really helped you to be successful in your business today? One that has been really good for me, and I'm actually reading a book right now called Atomic Habits, which is fantastic, which is basically reading a chapter this morning about how goals aren't the main thing, your systems are. And I had this from a pastor one time, even told me that in your business, she was like, don't focus on making money, focus on the behavior that makes money. When you really dial down your behaviors and what produces the end result you want or the results that you want, that's when you can really start seeing some progress take place. And so when I look back on my career, my NFL career, you know, the behaviors that I ended up acting out in my professional career that I, you know, I adopted early on high school and college carried me over career than technically I was supposed to have. And that was, I was in the weight room at 6am every single morning, 5.30, quarter to six to get hot tub, get my stuff ready to go, get in the weight room, get it done. And that's when coaches were in there. That Parcells used to monitor the whole facility, walk around the whole facility just to see who was there morning and night. It was crazy. And so frequently I would see, he would come check the hot tub at like 5.30, quarter to six, see me in there about to go get a lift. And so that made me part of his mind where he would go to coach Joe Jurassic, our strength coach at the time, and ask him how I was doing. What that meant was like, okay, I always had that behavior. I was in meetings. I always had my notebook. I have one sitting right here. I always have a notebook where I am never not ready to take notes. And I heard this the other day, what flows through you sticks to you. And so meeting, I'll remember a portion of this conversation, but the parts I write, I will fully remember a whole lot more. And I can come back and review those notes. So the thing is, is I took monster notes when I was playing football and I can write plays up on my whiteboard here in the office that I haven't written or addressed since playing football 12 plus years ago because I wrote it down so many times. It's so ingrained in my memory that I can come back and revisit on multiple fronts and multiple scenarios and, and still execute that. Those were two crucial behaviors because it was visible. Like a coach can see that. You can see somebody who's there early, who's in the weight room at the same time, who's taking notes in the meeting. And so what that would lead a head coach to do is he wants to get a report on that play. He says, hey, I see Proctor. He's here early every day in the weight room. So he goes to the strength coach and he asks him, how's Proctor doing in the weight room? Good or bad? He wants a report. Well, if it's good or he sees me working, he's, yeah, he comes in, busts his butt, he's getting stronger, whatever the report is, gives that to him. Well, the same thing, he goes back to my position coach and say, hey, how is he in meetings? And if it's a report is good, he goes, man, what I do know is he writes notes like crazy and takes everything down. So he has minimal mental errors and it's applying towards the field too. So any like potential negative that might be on me, maybe I'm not big enough body-wise to hold a bull rush or something that's on the field that is needed. There's other positives that are stacking for my favor. And that coach ultimately sees that and wants to give me chances, wants to give me opportunity. So like put Proctor in a right guard and see how he does. And so now I'm gaining favor in those opportunities to potentially get on field. And so those were little off-field behaviors that 
ended up compounding for my interest. Now there's other moments too, but compounding for my interest to set the stage for me to get on the field, which was one of my goals. Those were a couple that were really big for me. I like those. You made me think of a couple of things. One, so we all know that it's our habits or our behaviors that help us to determine the outcomes that we want in life. And so you talk about processes, your behaviors lead to your processes and those processes turn to systems, which then also help drive outcomes when done consistently. But one thing I really like that you talked about is it's great to do work and put in that work and have that work ethic, but also people need to see that you are there, that you are showing up, that you are doing the work because it also then has you top of mind. And so when I think about people in the corporate setting, so I did a podcast episode at the end of last season talking about this PI model, which stands for performance, image, and exposure. And basically I didn't come up with this model, a gentleman by the name of Dr. Harvey Coleman did, but he talks about if you want to advance in your career, those three elements are important. And that E exposure is like 60% of the pie. 60% is exposure, 30% is image, and 10% is performance, meaning you have to perform. That is not a differentiator. But the exposure piece is important, being visible to those people that are the decision makers that can make a decision as to whether or not you should get an opportunity to get out on the football field, to advance in a corporate job where like you have to be visible so that people can see you, think of you, be aware of you. And then the I is the image piece, which is what are they thinking of you? So for you, Corey, you know, they see you being there, you're taking care of what you need to in terms of your body and getting prepared or taking notes. So they see that you're on top of the ball or ready to take notes. And they're forming impressions about, okay, I've got this Corey Proctor here as part of the team. Let's try him at this position. Let's see how he can do here because they're seeing you and they're forming impressions as to your potential value for the team. Same thing outside of the football context. When people are seeing you in the workplace, they're evaluating, okay, who is Jane or Joe or Mary or Tom? And what are they doing? How are they conducting themselves? Are they visible to the executives and the senior leadership is the image they're conveying to people one that is consistent with who they want to be thought of. Like those are all things that people need to be thinking about when it comes to advancing in their respective careers. That's great. I like that. So let's talk about the time has come. You have hung up your cleats and now it's time to figure out what's next beyond football. So you are now in the financial management, the wealth management, the investment advising space. Tell our listeners how you decided to go into that career path. I didn't anticipate going into this business. There was some feeling out that took place after my career. Naturally went through some transitional toughness, I guess, and trying to figure these things out. I had a sales gig first, did well with that, great learning season. But ultimately, I always kind of had to make sure my finances were in order or get involved. And so what happened... Early on in my life, was junior high school. I ended up getting in a car wreck. I rear-ended a lady. She filed suit against my family, and it ended up being a really bad deal. And so basically had to start over, and that, I think, created a little bit of a fear-based mentality when I came into the NFL that I did not want that lawsuit to repeat itself. And so as I got involved with a financial advisor, I questioned her to death. And it came from another buddy that I played ball with. But I questioned her to death. I didn't mind asking stupid questions because ultimately the stupid questions run out and you become not stupid, right? So I could ask a whole lot more intelligent questions. But I was always involved in what was going on. She did great things, but I'm the one essentially had to dive into 
how do I protect my assets? Because I still had this fear of me getting into another car wreck and maybe my kids someday get into a car wreck and hitting the plastic surgeon and they want to sue me for 30 million. I got no intent on starting my life over, my wife and I. We're in a great place. We love where we're at. We don't need the league. This business is based off life history and a passion that we have. And we're not interested in just starting at ground zero all over again. Our level of life, we like, and we want to keep increasing that. And so, and I think that's similar with a lot of people, but it led to starting my company, which is called Pro Capital Wealth Management, where our mantra is standing guard, building legacy. And where essentially is everybody in this life is building sort of legacy or the people that we serve are people that have over a million in investable assets. But those types of people, they're usually not necessarily worried about making more money, although they wouldn't be against it, right? They're necessarily not worried about making more money. They're worried about making sure it doesn't go anyplace. And that's where we launched and we've been able to find a ton of value and bring a ton of value just because of that personal life experience. And when you look at it, I love the story. I mean, I think we all have events that happen in our lives, some more grandiose than others, that shape the future path that we're on from a career standpoint. And so as you were looking to go into this new venture, what were some of the initial challenges or roadblocks that you had to overcome just to get your business up and running? I mean, naturally, starting a business is hard anyways. You're basically saying, I got to deal with making minimal to no income for the first year, maybe two. And I got to really anticipate my costs, my output for this, and what is a realistic buildup where revenue can start coming in the door. And you learn, there's so many different things that you learn across the way. Is I think the good thing for me was when I decided to jump, I jumped hard. I just kind of stay out of the pond until I decide, okay, I'm going to go for this and I release it to the world. And then from there, I'm bowling a China shop trying to find information. And the value we've been able to bring to people has been that protection. And like we manage assets and I want to manage as much AUM as the next guy, but we differentiate ourselves in that protection mode because nobody wants their house taken from them. You own a business or you own several rental properties, or you have maybe a big stack of cash in your investment accounts or in your bank accounts, you're not really interested in somebody coming stealing that and taking it away. When we have a lot of people that that's their plight in life is to go see what they can get as a freebie. That's evident in our jobs market today, where we have more job availability today than ever before, and more people capable of filling those jobs, but aren't. And so that means that we have people that are comfortable with the handout ready to just be given to. And if it's not given to them, they're looking for opportunity. And I'll give you like one stat to support that is there's an average of over 40 million civil suits that are filed every year. Out of our population, that's an over 13% chance of any given time somebody getting sued. And in 2017, there was a study done that the average American has an over 30% chance of being sued in their lifetime. Well, if the average American makes anywhere between fifty and sixty thousand dollars a year, okay, put them in a neighborhood, you know, where we live here in South Lake, Texas, where the average income's over two hundred thousand a year. Or even more so, put a star on the side of your helmet, put NFL shield on your t shirt. And does that make you a bigger target now? Just as much as we want to build our legacy, it's equally important where we have to manage 
the catastrophes that could come in. And that's the stuff that we look at first. It's like, okay, where can the thief come in my house at night? And I look for open doors in people's life first before we ever invest some money. And that's a huge deal because I'm not interested in losing what we have. I might have gone overboard answering that question. <laughs> no, I, I think that's great. And I mean, I think no matter who you are, whether you have a star in your helmet or you're a bigger target, and you are a bigger target for liability, the more of a public figure you are, the more visible you are, the more assets. But even if you don't have a large amount of assets, we all need to be thinking about how are we protecting ourselves total picture from a financial standpoint, from a business risk standpoint, and even as business owners, we need to be thinking about, you made me think about this too, which is the client that you choose to serve as business owners, we also evaluate the clients that we work with to make sure that they're the right fit for us as well and that they're not necessarily opening us up to some potential exposure or liability or situation, headache, drama that we might not want or have time for. That stuff was huge. I had a guy in one time, he was facing a lawsuit, liquidated his company for $80 million. It just had like done awesome. But during the business, his son brought his girlfriend home and his labradoodle bit his girlfriend in the face. And he said, we covered the cost about 4000 for surgery, for medical bills for that. Didn't need any cosmetic surgery. She looked good. But her family had waited till two months before the statute of limitations was up to file suit. And he was like, well, what can I do to make sure it's okay? And I'm like, well, kiss it all goodbye. Because it's about the effective date at that point. And I go, right now, and he goes, well, is it worth it to do anything right now? I go, yeah, start the process right now. Because if you walk out here and you get in a wreck or your are to bite somebody else, you're right back in the same scenario with the same threat. So get it going. People prepare after the fact instead of before the fact. And that's some of those little behaviors that are big. Because if somebody wants to come at me, sue me, God bless you. Good luck. Just because we're so wrapped up that they're not going to get anything. That's a confident place to be in when... You can go carry yourself in your life and still go execute knowing that the threats that somebody might come in after you is handled. That's a pretty good feeling to have. So some of those scenarios that come up, we're not interested in. I mean, we've managed, we do some estate planning. We review every word of every document because the devil is in the details. We had one scenario, a player had a prenuptial agreement. They're signing and had kids and the wife's portion. It said this in the first draft of this prenup. It was in the event of the player's death, she had to vacate the homestead. She had to leave the home, the house. And they had kids together already. And it was funny because then you start asking the question, you're like, well, okay, you know, you've got this awesome contract. You very well deserve that. You put in the work and gotten that. But five years down the line, you know, your wife has sacrificed her professional career to support you and to protect you from any outside threats that are trying to come and attack you. Because we all have these people with their hands out ready for money. She's done that and she's watching after your kids. You get in a car wreck on the way to the facility and die. Did you intend to have her kicked out of the house? And you just kind of sit there like, what are you talking about? And that's the provision that is in this document. That's how that acts out. And it's wild, but because then they were completely unaware. They had no idea. They just trusted their professional. But we'll review all of those documents to make sure that we don't have a thief in your own document. And you want to make sure your family's taken care of. And that's the people we love. And I want people to love their family. And I love my wife. I love my kids. I tell her, I said, babe, you ever leave me? I'm going with, right? But I'm not interested in if something happens where I'm gone, we're both okay. I'm okay if she gets remarried, but I'm not interested. You know, she's had big and bald linemen. 
if some Fabio dude looking dude with long hair and six pack abs comes in thinking he's got mess money bags over here, I'm not interested in him draining my half of the assets that are supposed to go to my kids. And so, you know, those are things that we come to make sure that the thief can come in a lot of different forms. And so that's what we're here to make sure that those don't happen. For sure. And I think having the experience that you do, being a former player, you have a lot of perspectives that other people might not necessarily be thinking through in terms of scenarios or possible situations that could happen. And so you can alter the plan, the estate plan or other documents and tailor them to account for those particular situations as well. Oh, 100%. We'll work with attorneys. I'm not an attorney, but we'll work with the attorneys. Like There's some normals in that landscape that I'm not a fan of. And so we'll actually provide the provisional language of the documents that we prefer to your attorney to make sure it's in there. And I've gotten into it with some attorneys that don't like it. And I'm like, well, I don't really care. It's not about you. It's about my client and the vision that they have. And this is what we fight for. And so our training is specifically for this. I've come across a whole lot of bad legal work. (laughs) I'm an attorney. So yes, I have seen my share in my profession, although I don't do as much legal practice now outside of my military work. So I'm more on the business consulting side, the branding consulting side, but you are always thinking through the possible as an attorney. I mean, we're kind of conditioned to think about potential exposure to risk and how do you mitigate and manage those things and being able to have the right perspective so that you can think through scenarios and possible what ifs. Like that's the job of a good attorney. Well, think about the what if scenarios. They may never happen and you want none of those things to ever happen. But if they do, because life happens, then you're protecting yourself from those things. Exactly. You know. (laughs) Yes, I do. Yep, I know. So what we're going to do next now, Corey, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to go into my two-minute drill and just a couple other questions. We'll be right back. Do you feel like it's impossible to stand out when searching for your dream job? The truth is, it is possible to get a great new job and not settle during this time of economic uncertainty. To do this, LinkedIn must be a part of your playbook. With over 700 million users across the globe, LinkedIn is a great way to expand your professional network, grow your brand, and position yourself for that job you really want. I'm so confident that LinkedIn will be a game changer for you like it has been for me. I've created a free LinkedIn checklist with tips and strategies on how to make your profile stand out. You can download it by going to www.thenextfirstdown.com and clicking there. I'll also send you emails with winning tips and strategies on job searching, interviewing, and resume writing to help set you apart from the competition and land that dream job. Now, back to our show. All right, Corey, we are back and we're going to get into the two-minute drill. Have some fun. Are you ready? Let's go. All right. First question is, what three words would you use to describe yourself? Faith, family, admission. Great three words. Next question is, what is one thing that most people don't know about you? Man, I'm an open book. I play the drums. I love music. Oh, there you go. Next question. Would you rather be the world champion of your sport or the CEO of a billion dollar company? World champion is a moment in time. CEO, I can use it perpetually. All right. Next one is what book are you currently reading? So you already mentioned the Atomic Habits book. So we've covered that. And I think that's a great book, by the way. And we will have that in the show notes for people to check out because it is the game changer for sure. So the next question is, if you could have any song played at all of your public appearances, what would that one song be? Probably because this is fresh on my mind. My wife and I, our wedding song was Love a Little Stronger, Dig a Little Deeper from Diamond Rio. 
Oh, nice. Just a feel-good one. Absolutely. What would your next career move be if you were guaranteed to succeed? I'd hire another person today. I'd hire 10, 20 people today if it was guaranteed to succeed. Next question. You have 24 hours and a private plane that will take you anywhere. Where are you going? Probably back to Bora Bora for the beach with my wife. <laughs> a nice place to go. All right. The bonus question is M&M's, plain or peanut? Peanut all day. Nice. That would be my choice too. All right, Corey. So as we look to close the show, what kind of takeaways would you leave for our listeners in two areas? One, I want to talk about from a risk management, just things that everyone should be thinking about standpoint. What would those things be? And then the other question I would have after that is from a business owner standpoint, what kind of tips would you give to people to think about on how they can continue to grow their business? That's easy. One, as people look at the assets of their life, especially if you built up or you know sell the business or have sudden income or something like that, and you're somebody who knows the value of it, so you stack it up a little bit and save it instead of blowing it all. If you know the value of it and have it in the bank, the first thing I would ask you is what assets of your life are subject to judgment in a lawsuit? And if you have any assets, could it be your house? Could it be investment accounts? Could it be your bank accounts? Could it be your business even? Could your rental properties or second home or other areas of your life you know could possibly be taken from judgment and lawsuit if you got into that wreck or something that could be taken? And if you don't even know, then you should probably talk. But that's one to go down that rabbit hole. You need to know what's vulnerable. Number two if somebody owns a business, especially if you're just starting out or maybe you're just struggling or kind of plateauing or something, the first thing I would look at is your processes because you don't rise to the level of the occasion. It's a rare event that you ever rise to the level of the occasion. You fall to the level of your systems. You know, If your systems are poor or not in place at all, you will not get that client you're looking for and you won't get the big deals that you're trying to get. And so I would analyze your systems that you have in place currently. And if you don't have in place, that's an indicator for failure. So get your systems in place. So like if you don't have a system for hiring, you don't have a system for upward movement in the company, you don't have a system for how you onboard a client, something like that. If you have somebody that leaves your business with questions in their head, that's a bad deal. You want to have everything on the table so there is no question on what they're getting themselves into and your value that you bring to the table. So get your processes down. Those are huge. Absolutely. Yeah. Your processes are very important to being able to move the ball and dominate the game. So Corey, thank you so much for being on the show again. As always, you do a fabulous job, bring so much value. So I really appreciate you being on with us today. Hey, I'm thankful for it, Jen. You're doing awesome. I love it. Anybody needs anything, they can go to my website, ProCapitalTX.com or just Google ProCapital Wealth Management or me. <laughs> and so you can go do that and you'll find it really fast, but happy to help. And I always love hanging out with you, Jen. So thank you for that. Thank you. And we will have all of your social links and your website in our show notes. So people can check that out, reach out if they need some help. And Corey is top notch, world class. So highly recommend you give him a shout if you want to chat about this topic and are thinking about your wealth and how to mitigate risk and protect it. So again, thanks so much, Corey, for being on the show. And thanks to everyone for listening. If you liked today's episode, make sure that you share it with someone else who you think would find the show to be a value. It is one way that you can help me to move the ball. And also, if you haven't already done so, be sure to follow the podcast so that you never miss a future episode. All right. Thank you again for listening. And we will talk to you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thanks for listening to Move the Ball, everybody. 
If you were inspired by this episode, can you do me a favor and let me know? Go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. And also, share the show with a few friends too. Next, I want you to go to GetInsideTheHuddle.com and join our email list. This will give you priority access to tips and strategies that will help you get more done today. Not tomorrow, not next week, today. You got that? Okay, until next time.